I'm excited to start this new series on spiritual warfare. If you don't know me, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here. And so we're starting this series on something that maybe is a little bit, you know, new. Maybe it's a new term to you. Maybe you've heard this before. You're not quite sure. What does this mean, spiritual warfare? Well, as I, as I was just praying about, there is a battle going on between good and evil, basically. There's a battle going on between God's people and the rest of the world. There's an enemy that the Bible tells us about whose name is Satan. And he is a part of this world and he influences this world. And we also, as fallen human beings, are sinful. And, and in our flesh, um, without God, we are battling this, this nature every day. Even with God, we are battling, battling our sinful nature every day. So we're going to be talking about this. A lot of people don't think about spiritual warfare, the battle in which we face. It's, it's, it's a part of this system, this thing that you can't see. There's an unseen realm in the world. Now, most people don't even think about this. Everybody, a lot of people I talk to, they're just like, you know, I just really only believe in the things that I can see. I don't really think about the afterlife or eternity. I don't really think about, you know, angels or demons. I really only believe in the physical, or that's what catches my, my mind and my eyes most often. That's what has my attention. And maybe some of you don't even believe in, in some kind of a spiritual realm, and you're a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, uh, cautious to even go down this road. And so if that's you here today, I'm excited that you're here because we're going to hopefully open your eyes to a whole other world out there that you don't really notice is even there. Um, but the Bible tells us to be wise about this, to understand this. You know, God, if we believe that God created the world, you know, the Bible says that God is a spirit, that nobody's ever seen God, that God dwells in this heavenly realm that nobody can actually get to, um, there's a spiritual existence out there, and God, in this spiritual existence, in this heavenly realm, it created everything that you can see, everything physical. So out of the spiritual came everything physical. And so I want you to understand that even though there's a physical world, that is not all there is to life. There is also a spiritual world that has a higher authority that created everything that you can see in the first place. Now, I don't want you to start thinking about spiritual warfare as like everything is spiritual, everything is a, an attack of the devil, there's always evil, you know, uh, trying to get at me. I felt like that this morning as I was trying to get ready for church, and I was trying to pile my whole family into the van. We've got four boys now, and me and my wife, and, you know, I was having a crazy hair day, and none of my clothes were fitting, and it was like, you know, it was like... <laughs> It was like, this is spiritual warfare. What is going on? The devil's trying to get at me. He doesn't want me to preach this sermon, you know? Now, you could, you could say that, maybe. I think there are two camps when it comes to this idea. Some people are all the way on one angle that, that say, you know, they don't really ever think about spiritual things, and, you know, the whole demon and devils and stuff like that's kind of like Hollywood folklore. And then there's people all the way on the other side that over dramatize everything and say everything is the devil. Well, 
I'm gonna say that the Bible's gonna bring us into this balanced view that spiritual warfare is kind of both of these things. It's, it's everyday life, things that are going on around you that you don't really think are spiritual but can be, and also otherworldly battles. And every person experiences spiritual warfare. It's not uh, just um, the crazy things that you've seen in movies like The Exorcist, which you shouldn't be watching, or Constantine, or uh, you know all these scary movies out there, or you know weird things in cemeteries and stuff like that. It's not just that stuff, but there is a spiritual battle going on all around us all the time. And so it's not just, like I said before, the devil that's the only culprit, but we have these three culprits that we believe sum up spiritual warfare. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to break, break down each one of these and how each one of these things is, is uh, a, a battle that you're involved in, being a part of the world, which is this organized system that is naturally fallen and goes against God. The flesh, as I've already talked about, is our sinful nature that is naturally born to go against God. And then obviously the devil, who influences both the world and the flesh, and also is the enemy of God and God's people. The world system, the sinful flesh, and Satan himself, who uses these things. And we get this from our verse in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. <clears throat> now this is pretty deep. It's got a lot going on. And as you can see, the three concepts in there, what Paul is, is he's, Paul has written this letter to this church in Ephesus and he's explaining to them where they used to be. This system, this struggle that they are, that, that they are switching sides on now, right? So, so there are two sides to this battle. As I said, it's, it's God and his people and Satan and his influence on people. And what he's saying is, is when you came to trust in Jesus, you now switch sides from the enemy, and now you have an enemy. Now you're on the good side, but you've got a target on your back. This is what you were like. You were dead. You followed the course of the world. You followed your flesh, and you followed Satan. That is the reality of the situation that we are in right now. Let me give you just a little bit of background. Um, on the history of the world and where we're at now. As I said before, God created everything. Before God created the world, there was, it was God who existed for eternity. He created heaven and he created the angels first. And heaven is a place where God dwells, right? And, but he created the angels and the things that are unseen in this spiritual realm. And what happened was, is he created also this angel uh, named Lucifer, who, who is Satan, and he was an angel, but he was kicked out of heaven because of his pride. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to take God's throne. He wanted to take God's authority. And so he was kicked out of heaven along with a third of the angels fell with him. This is called the fall, the satanic fall. 
a third of the angels and Satan were kicked out of heaven. And we know that, that at least Satan and some of them came to earth because right in Genesis chapter 3 in the beginning, when God created the world and everything in it, and he created man and woman, we see the serpent in the garden that is twisting and tempting Adam and Eve to go against God. You see, Satan couldn't get his way up in heaven, so he's going to try to get his way down on earth with God's people. And his plan is to try to thwart God and what God wants to do, uh, especially his redemptive plan with human beings. And so Satan gets Eve to take the fruit, the thing that he had told God had told them not to do, and that starts this spiritual warfare that we are in today because here we are now in this fallen flesh handed down from Adam and Eve. We've got a satanic and a demonic presence that has helped set up this world system in which we live. It is not a system in which, you know, God is the ultimate authority, but it calls actually the world, he's the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Another verse calls Satan the god of this world. Now I explain all that to help you understand. Now we're going to talk more about this, but I want you to understand that there is a battle that we live in. It's not just what you can see. There's a lot going on. And if you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible, this is the basics of where it all started and where we're at now. So I want you to be aware of this battle first and foremost. That's, that's the important thing, but now we gotta figure out, so how do we fight this battle then? What are the principles of our warfare? What are, what are the rules of engagement? And like I said, first and foremost, we need to believe that there is a battle. So many people don't believe. So many people are in denial about spiritual things. We need to believe that there is a battle. We gotta figure out who's on what side. We gotta figure out how do they fight, how should we fight, what's our strategy and what's theirs. And so in today's lesson, I wanna cover a few quick things about what it looks like to be in spiritual warfare, what spiritual warfare is, what the strategy of this fight and this battle is, and how to overcome it. And the first thing is this, spiritual warfare uses footholds to establish strongholds. Now you're like, what in the world kind of Christianese are you trying to, you know, shove down my throat right now? What does that even mean, footholds and strongholds? Well, don't worry, these are biblical terms. Let's just get into some definitions about what a foothold is first. We looked at the Oxford Dictionary to just find a, just a, a general uh, definition of a foothold. It says it's a secure position from which further progress may be made. So this is kind of, if you think about like we're in a war or a battle or a fight, this is kind of an offensive move to get a foothold into something. I want you to think about if you've ever seen like in every kind of weird dr drama movie uh, where there's like an attacker chasing someone, there's always this scene of an attacker chasing someone down a hall and they're either trying to get into their hotel room or in an apartment, right? And, and the, the, it's usually a woman running, right, away from the attacker and they finally get to their room and they're gonna shut the door and right when, the, and you're like on the edge of your seat, like shut the door, why are you running so slow? It's like one of those dreams. Have you ever had one of those dreams where you're trying to fight and you're like 
so slow. You know, that's how I feel like when I'm watching movies. Like, what's wrong with these people? I would beat that guy up if I was them. But anyway, so they're running away from the attacker. They get to the door, and for some reason, the key's not working very well, and they finally finally get in, and right when they're about to shut the door, they're almost safe. The guy slams his foot in the door, and he's now got a foothold. He's got a foothold uh, in this fight, and now, and that's really what this means. It's a secure position to make further progress from. So now his next, his next move is to, to, to open the door wide so he can get in there and take control, and that's really, that's a foothold then leads to a stronghold, but before we get to that, here's a definition from Ephesians 4 about a foothold. Because I, I, I gave you a kind of an analogy, a, a worldly human analogy, but here's more of a spiritual, biblical analogy how this happens in the spiritual warfare. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So the same thing's happening, happening like in that movie scene, but yet spiritually in our lives. When we give ourselves over to, when we give our control, the, our self-control over to something or someone else. When we give ourselves over to emotions, like and, and anger in itself isn't a sin unless it's unrighteous anger. Unless, unless you allow it to fester and dwell. Okay, And so things like emotions can sometimes uh, give the devil a foothold. Drugs and alcohol, you're giving yourself, you're giving your control, your, your clear thinking mind, you're giving control over to something, a substance, a chemical, and that gives the devil a foothold in your life. Maybe there's some kind of obsession that you have. Again, something you have no control over in your life. This is, this is a, a foothold that we give to the devil. And, and most importantly, unrepentant sin. It says don't sin by letting anger control you. So this is outbursts of anger. But you know what gives the devil control is when it's, we're all going to struggle with sin, but it's when you don't repent of that sin, when you don't turn from that sin, when you justify that sin over and over again, and you keep doing it and doing it over and over. Unrepentant sin of whatever kind allows the devil to have control or at least influence in your life more so than he did. So part of our battle is to remain in our faith, repent and believe, you know, to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, to go to him, to confess, to get our secrets up and out so that the devil cannot have a foothold because if he gets a foothold, that leads to a stronghold, a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. Now, I want you to think about this. This is more like after he gets in the door, now he sets up shop and he brings his friends in. Or this is like having a, an army base or an air force base, like Hill Air Force Base. It's a base of troops where they gather together, they do their training and exercises so that they can go out and either defend themselves or take on more ground and new ground. This is more like, you know, because these bases are in our country, this is more like if you were in a war and you gained ground and then you set up base in that other country that you're trying to take over, right, or that you're in war with, setting up a base outside of your, outside of your home country. That's, that's what a stronghold is, a place where 
the enemy can gather together its troops so that they can focus on gaining more ground and getting at you even more and more. Now, that, that's a physical analogy, but remember, here's what Ephesians 6 says. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're not fighting against flesh and blood most of the time. There's a spiritual battle going on. Now, the spiritual has influence on the physical, but there's this crafty, this organized, much like a military, the enemy is organized. The enemy has these, these rulers and authorities. The Bible says principalities and powers. These are, these are ruling authority demons that actually exist that cover regions and areas of the world. I know this is sounding out there for you, but I want you to understand this is what the Bible says. It reminds me of a story of a man who was demon-possessed in Mark chapter 5. And Jesus came and he was going to cast the demon out. And Jesus asked him, what's your name? And the guy says, Legion, for we are many. And so what, what, what's going on in this story is not one demon, but many demons have possessed this man who, who caused him to do all kinds of crazy things. He's cutting himself. He's, he's um, you know... They chained him up in a cave because he was too wild to live in the city. And, and you know that word legion actually is a, is a military term. It actually means 6,000 troops. All right? And so 6,000 Roman troops. So all of this helps us to understand that the enemy is organized, militaristic, has been around for a long time, if, if we think about it, in my estimation, at least 6,000 years have, has there been an unseen force and powers and rulers in this world watching humans, studying them, learning how to get at them, learning how to irritate them, learning how to confuse them, learning how to influence, learning how to get footholds that ultimately lead to strongholds. And we then... If the Bible says we're aliens and sojourners in this world, and Jesus says my kingdom is not of this world, then we are not of this world. So what are we? We're behind enemy lines already in this world. We're already in this battle. But here's what Jesus says about this. I tell you, and he's talking to Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Peter, Peter and Jesus were talking, and Jesus was saying, who do people say that I am? And they're saying, oh, you're, you're a prophet, you know, you're a great teacher. And Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus responds that flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed that to you. And on that statement, based on that solid foundation that Christ is the son of God, Christ builds his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is a promise. And if you think about this, the gates of hell, what are gates are me meant for? They're meant as a, a protection, a defense, 
on a base, right? You, you have a gate all the way around Hill Air Force Base, right? And, and he's saying that our job now then as the church, if you're a Christian and you've crossed over from the side of evil to the side of good, now all of a sudden you've become a troop, you've become a soldier to now go out into the world and to go against the gates of hell to break down these strongholds that they've set up. We're behind enemy lines and we're taking this message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Even though there's a God of this world, he's not going to last forever. And Jesus has promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So we, we too, come from a place where we can have footholds and strongholds in the world as well, from an offensive position, from the side of good. Now, all of this seems pretty, you know, high, high and, and lofty and, you know, spiritual realm type of stuff, and you're just, you're, you're, you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, it's, kind, it's pretty practical if you think about it, because a lot of it starts with how we live, it starts with what we believe and it starts in our minds. Spiritual warfare is a battle waged often in our minds. You're thinking, you know, after you think, you've probably seen too many movies again, that's our culture. You're thinking, okay, I need lucky rabbit's foot, I need, I need a list of magical incantations, I need a list of prayers that I can say, I need some garlic probably, right? You're thinking garlic, you're thinking, I, I got to have a, a steak and I got to have some silver bullets, right? You're thinking, that's what I got to do if I'm in spiritual warfare. But a lot of this, actually, none of that, it all starts and ends with this battle in our inner person, in our inner man, in our mind, in our psyche. This is who we are. It, our mind makes up our emotions, our will, our heart, our desires. And, and so this spiritual warfare, first and foremost, starts with our thoughts with what we let in to our minds, with what we, what we let come out of our mouths. It first and foremost starts with our mind. Here's what Paul says about this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons and not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning, to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. As I said, we're, we're out there in the world and we're, we're, we're working against an evil force of all kinds of different ideologies and philosophies and false teachings and religions that Satan is ultimately behind. And Paul is saying here, what we do is we, we fight our enemies with God's weapon of truth. And, and later, in the, we're going to talk about the armor of God in the fifth week, and there's a lot about that. But we're, we're fighting enemies with God's truth. We, we take captive rebellious thoughts. We fight false arguments. We tear down strongholds with truth in our minds, but we've got to get that truth into our minds. So many people that are susceptible to spiritual warfare aren't, preparing and aren't prepared and aren't trained and aren't ready because they're milky Christians. That's what I'm going to say, okay? The Bible talks about um, all of us at some point in time, if you become a believer, you're a baby in Christ. You, you've, you've been born again, and so that's a good thing. So if you've been in the faith for, you know, a couple of months or a year or a little bit longer, it's okay that you're still, you know, like a baby, still living off milk, you know? You're still letting someone 
feed you because you can't quite feed yourself. But the problem is, just like a human baby is so susceptible and vulnerable, if we too, as Christians, stay as babies, we're going to be very vulnerable to attack. We're going to be very vulnerable to spiritual warfare. Here's what uh, the author of Hebrews says about this. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. How are you going to know good from evil if you don't really know the truth? If you don't know the word, there's, there's a thing called discernment, which is also a spiritual gift that people have that can distinguish between good and evil spirits. But also through the word, through the Bible, we, we, we're able to discern what's truth and what's error. We're able to fight against these strongholds in our mind, first and foremost, about what we believe. But if we constantly are having to be nursed and spoon-fed and we never get to this place where we are living off solid food for ourselves, we grow up and we get a job and we start cooking our own meals and putting it on the table, then we're not going to be able to be trained to distinguish good from evil. It reminds me of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Back in the day, in the 70s, there's a movie called Pumping Iron, and he, he, he was like one of the best bodybuilders back in the day, and he was huge. And people would, people would ask him, they would say, I bet you drink a lot of milk. And he would say, no, milk's for babies, you know? <laughs> so I, 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 that, that's true. That's a biblical statement. Milk is for babies. No, Arnold Schwarzenegger, to get that big, he ate a lot of meat. He ate a lot of protein. He had to, he had to have solid foods. My, our baby, we've been talking about it at home recently, we're like, He's like a little, almost five months, and I'm like, when can he eat? You know, when can he eat solid food? We want to give him solid food. This kid needs to grow up, you know. He needs to get a job, and he needs to start feeding himself. <laughs> we got to train him. You know, that's my job. I got to train these guys to be ready. So spiritual warfare is, is waged often in our minds. The battle starts with having discernment, being able to understand the difference between good and evil. But as scary as spiritual warfare sounds, the last thing I want to tell you is this, that spiritual warfare is ongoing. It's, it's going to be here until God comes and gets us or, or until we're out of this body, until this world ends. Spiritual warfare is always going to be a part of our life, especially the Christian life but it's already one in Christ. That's another thing that helps you fight the battle in your mind, by the way, is if you know that you've already won, then there's not really an issue. There's no real reason to be in fear or scared because the one whom we follow is not equal to the enemy. He is greater than. This isn't like yin and yang, okay? Like good and evil and opposites and that one has to exist for the other to exist. Like, this is not that at all. Jesus is not um, Satan's brother. Jesus is God who created the angels, including Satan. Jesus has all authority over even the evil spirits. Here's what uh, in Ephesians, again, chapter 1. 
Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Jesus, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Jesus has all authority over everything. If you go read a lot of the different books in the Bible, especially when Jesus is casting out demons in the gospel, they have to obey him. In the book of Job in the Old Testament, you know, Satan and the demons actually had to come before God and say, hey, I want to test and I want to challenge your guy. They had to ask for permission. The enemy has to ask for permission to do anything they do in the first place. Now, this is deep, and it might boggle your mind how it all works, but I'll say this. For whatever reason, God still allows for this battle to keep on going because it sharpens us. It strengthens us. It builds our faith. It proves who's really a believer and who's not a believer. Spiritual warfare, in some sense, in God's sovereignty is a part of his plan and his will for us. So I want you to understand that. So what's important then is that we understand that there is really a battle out there. There is an evil enemy trying to get at us. But ultimately, the battle's already been won. The one whom we follow, we're on his side. He has all authority. He ultimately knows what we need and don't need. He's the one who's going to protect us. And he also has given us authority to go out there in confidence, standing in Christ with the power that he's given us, and to take back part of this world, to take some ground back, to fight this battle, to take him to the ends of the earth. This is the last verses I want to share with you. Luke 10, Jesus just had sent out 72 of his followers to go and prepare the way for him to come and to share his message to these towns all over in Israel. And they come back all excited. It says, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's a lot of there's a lot of blessing and a lot of confidence. There's a lot of um, courage that can be built out of this. That we know that we have the authority for spirits to be subject to us. That we have the authority in Jesus' name to go out there in the world and to have victory over battles with other people in other situations and even in our own lives. But let's not get too caught up in you know, again, there's two sides, two extremes. Some people think everything's a demon behind every bush when sometimes the problem is you. Sometimes the problem is your own flesh. Sometimes the problem is this world system that we live in. But what he says is this, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You've already won. You have a place for you in heaven if you're a follower in Christ. Because the Bible tells us that in Colossians that Jesus disarmed the enemy, the rulers and the authorities and the powers of the unseen world by taking our sin and nailing it to the cross. There's now no condemnation that can be shoved in our face. We can have confidence. We can have assurance of our faith knowing that 
that our Savior fought the battle for us and he won. It is finished, as we sang in that song earlier, it is finished. Jesus said that on the cross. We've won. We have victory. We can take that. We can claim that victory that Jesus has already given us. But do know that there is a battle that is ongoing and for whatever reason is being allowed to happen. But if you're aware of this and you know how it works and you start to learn to feed yourself through the word of God and you have gifts of discernment and the ability to to distinguish between good and evil, I believe you and I as Christians will greatly benefit in the rest of our lives with understanding and studying what spiritual warfare is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's just, it's so amazing. There's so much to learn. There's so much to grasp. How how deep and how wide your knowledge and your wisdom is. Sometimes we we have all these questions, but we haven't taken the time to, to go find them out, to go study your word, to get with your people, to to ask for prayer, to to fight the good fight, as you said. There's a fight that we're fighting in this world, and, and sometimes we're just not prepared for it, we're not ready, or we don't even believe it exists. I pray today, first and foremost, that for, for believers here today, that they would leave here knowing that there is a battle out there. It's already been won, but yet there's still a part that you and I and they play in all of this. And there's a certain way to deal with living in spiritual warfare. If anyone in this room is going through something that they believe is spiritual warfare right now, God, I pray in Jesus' name to have mercy on them. In, in the authority of your name, let any evil presence or even force in any evil force in a person in this room here today, God, I pray that you would cast them out. I pray that you would protect them. I pray that you would assure them by the work that you did, the blood that you shed on the cross that protects them and forgives them. There's no condemnation for them. And Father, I pray that if there are people here today that aren't on your team, that haven't trusted in Jesus, received the free gift of his grace by faith alone, if they have not done that to join your family and your team, I pray that they would do that today to start experiencing victory in their own lives. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.